Well, welcome everyone. I'm really glad you're here and uh, welcome to everyone online. As we continue in this Advent series, we've been studying this because it's, it's Christmas time and Advent means the arrival, at least that's one way to take it, the arrival of Christ. There's this first Advent with Christmas, that's when we celebrate the second Advent being his return as portrayed in Revelation. And with Advent, we want to prepare our hearts. And so we're studying five themes. We have hope, which was last week. If you recall, we looked at hope and we reminded ourselves it is the assurance in the character of God and the promises of God. And if you missed that message, I encourage you to watch that online because it is, it is an anchor point for the rest of the series. Uh, today we look at love. The next few weeks we're going to look at peace and joy and also Jesus Christ himself on Christmas Eve. So today we focus our attention on love and how God's love was demonstrated at Advent. I have a short definition for you of what love is. It's not on the screens. And this is just kind of from my own working. After the entire message of preparation, all the time spent just like thinking, processing, praying through this, how could I summarize this without looking at like Webster's and without looking at a theologian who would word it far better than me, but just like something that is simple and like, comprehensive but not too complex and it's this love is the choice to give unconditional devotion and care no matter the personal cost when I think about God I see this love is his choice right to give unconditional devotion and care no matter the personal cost to us that personal cost being his own son I think about love that I display to my own family this this choice to give un unconditional devotion uh, and care, no matter that personal cost. Even just last night, the 3 a.m. crying, uh, Dad, come here, what's going on? Hey, kids, the, the two older ones share a room. What's going on, guys? Like 3 a.m., this is great. I have to get up in a few more hours. What's going on? And I, I normally, it sounds uncompassionate, but you'll understand because I was anticipating this would be the response. And it was like, I had a dream that I woke up. I'm like, yeah. you know, I'm really tired, man. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Come on, <laughs> it's Saturday night. <laughs> All right, go back to sleep. Okay, great. Okay, I'll see you tomorrow. All right. And so that happens, but as unconditional care, just no matter the cost, is like part of parenting in a whole new way. Like some people say that's in regards to being married, and I'm like, you know, my wife, she's easy to love. She's awesome. It's, that's, but, uh, but my children, they are, um, e easy isn't the word I would use. Um, <laughs> Every time, there are times, they're very adorable, but not every time like last night. So there are times, that, but we think about this with, with Christmas, we, we were reminded of God's love. It, it was evidenced to us in its greatest way by him sending his son to be born. This innocent little baby born in a manger, no place for him to lay his head in some sort of other inn or some sort of castle or something more royal. No, the humblest, uh, simplest, uh, modest, quietest little space in this like, like quietest, not in a stable, that wouldn't be very quiet, but quiet in the context of just um, uh, what people might want with fanfare. And so as you think about biblical love, think about this. First John 4.10 says this, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. In scripture, the word love has a whole host of meanings this is something that maybe you have heard in all sorts of ways. And so we see this whole spectrum of phrases and, and ideas, compassion and commitment and sacrifice and care and devotion and affection and duty and wholeheartedness. Today we're not discussing the romantic love that God has given us that we can have toward one another. 
We're not discussing that friendship or fondness, love uh, that uh, we can just even have like with enjoyment with one another or even an enjoyment in a hobby or something. You might say, I just love doing this. Today we are discussing the sort of love that is so unconditional and so compassionate, perhaps you could even say reckless in its application, that God allowed his own son to be born for the purpose of growing into a man and then dying the gruesome death for this purpose, as atonement for mankind, knowing full well that some would believe, but that many actually would not believe. The cost-benefit, I'm gonna send my son, he's gonna die, we're gonna settle the score so mankind can be reconciled. And yet a whole bunch of people are gonna hear that and go, that's good, good for you. I'm not gonna believe that. And yet God still found it worth it. And, and, and perfect in his plans and his purposes. So that's the kind of love we're talking about. First John 4, 10, as I read, I'm gonna read, read it again. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So love is not only something that God gives to us, which is the focus this morning, but I do wanna just for a moment talk about how because God loves us, we also love one another. It's his love toward us that helps define and give some boundaries and understanding of how do we love one another. First John 4, 8 says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And so we recognize that love is a unique experience for, for us. We've been made in the image of God and so he has wired us to experience his love and then give this to others. We, we are compelled to love others because God has loved us. Listen to these few different verses. First John 4, 19 says, we love because he first loved us. First Corinthians 16, 14 says, let all that you do or everything that you do be done in love. First John 3, 18 says, little children, let us not love in word or talk but in deed and in truth. You know, anyone can say, hey, I love you. It's like, yeah, well, let's uh, prove it. Show it. Demonstrate it. Ephesians 4.2 says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. And I really love that phrase because true love bears with one another. Uh, it's, it's always easy to love somebody who's like loving you back or it's easy to love when, um, uh, when there's, I don't know, it's, there's, there's moments when it's easier and there's moments when it's tougher. And that's when you bear with one another in those. According to scripture, love is so dynamic that it's the secret sauce when it comes to Christian community and forgiveness and unity. Listen to 1 Peter 4. He says this in verse eight. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since, it, since love covers a multitude of sins. Right? Love, not one of the other attributes. John 13, 35, Jesus, one of his last statements to his disciples, he says this, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I think the NIV says it something along the lines of, um, by your love for one another, people will know that you are my disciples. Who recognize that love is a massive ingredient, if not the premier one that really marks God's people and the Christian church. The instruction to love is, is not limited to the church, but also the leading exhortation to the family. This is why Paul says this to husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. 
right? So husbands, love your wives, not just encourage her or kiss her or serve her, or whatever it is. Sure, all those things are important, but love. First of all, love. Love your wife. The idea of love is all over scripture. So, you know, if you open the Bible, nearly every few sections, you might see some sort of section or statement about God's love. It's just that present in all sorts of places. In the book of Psalms, you see this in several different statements. Listen to these few that stood out to me. Psalm 86, 15 says, but you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Abounding in steadfast love. In, in my finite mind and thinking, uh, because I know that I, I am um, uh, limited just with physical like, strength and like, emotional capacity to love infinitely. I, just, I, I know that's not the case for me. Um, it's hard to imagine that God's love is abounding and steadfast and endless. It's, it's, I, I can tell you that it is, but I don't. Fully, I can't fully live that way toward others, even when I try. And so I find it hard to comprehend that God is this way, but he is. Psalm 63.3 says, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. His love is better. And then Psalm 18.1, I love the simplicity of this. It says, I love you, O Lord, my strength associating God's love and our love to him with his strength, I think is fantastic. Usually you'd, you'd read that if it was a, uh, I don't know, a poem written today. It would say something like, I love you, you know, whatever, the object of the love, my, and it'd be another like mushy word. But in this case, it's my strength. There's something unique about that. The Bible drips with this overt and at times subtle emphasis on God's love from God using Boaz to redeem Ruth when he married her to God sending to re revival to the pagans in Nineveh, the ones that Jonah went and preached to. From God sparing a wicked mankind through the family of Noah to Jesus healing all sorts of people, including this guy named Malchus, the one whose ear was chopped off by Peter when, he was, when uh, Jesus was arrested. Like in the midst of this sham arrest and to be trial and crucifixion, Jesus takes time to heal the guy's ear and say like, that's not what we're doing here. Story after story, we read of God's love, whether he displays what we would call good or we would call judgment or we would call compassionate or we would call mysterious. God's love is there and he proves it on every page. I'm even reminded of tomorrow night, middle school group, we're discussing the story when Jesus heals. And in this moment, um, he is called upon to go heal this little girl who's uh, about to pass away. And in the midst of that, he gets delayed to heal another woman who's tugging on him. And he takes time to work with her and then goes to this other girl who has passed away, but then he raises her, raises her to life. Even that story conveys God's love. So this is the kind of love that we see in scripture. This is the kind of love that the Israelite people were aware of when they were waiting on the Messiah to be the one who would be born and to redeem and save their people. This is the kind of love we have in mind when we think of the Advent time. So at the birth of Christ, 
God's love was on display. His love was so committed and it was so radical and it was so uncommon. So we have better clarity when we read verses like Matthew 121 where it says this, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. How could somebody do this? Because of the love. So how can God actually send his son to die? Because of his love for mankind, for me, for you, literally for you. I always think of this in terms of the broad scale and historic dynamic, God's love for the world globally, historically, everything. I rarely pause enough to think like, actually for me. Wow, that's, I don't know, I just don't think about that a lot. I preach about it a lot more, I don't think about it. How about you? Sometimes we wonder if God loves us. We say, you know, how, how can, how can, uh, how can God actually love us? And, and what we'll do is we'll use some sort of situation in our lives that will make, it, make us wonder this. So for instance, if there's a tragedy in your life or a friend's life, they'll ask themselves, where was God in this? Where was God's love in this? It's been years ago now, but the first winter, right before we started as a church, there was a fire in town, and some of you remember this and um, some children died in it, in the house. And it stands out to me because we were, um, we were that, you know, that morning gathering for worship and gonna preach on God's love. God loves us and yet this tragedy just occurred. And where do you, where, how, do you, how do you reconcile some of that? Well, if somebody were to say, how can he love when he has permitted or allowed either evil to occur or a fallen world to just function in its natural order? Where's his love in that? I would say, you know, at Christmas time, one of the best moments is to look right at the cradle because, uh, or at the manger, uh, because the manger of Christ demonstrates a love that surpasses even our own circumstances. First John 4, 9 says it this way, and it's, it's a really great verse. If you're looking for one to memorize or you're looking for one to teach your kids this week or something, look at First John 4, 9. It says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. I'm gonna reread this again. This is like a, um, a revised version of John 3:16 in a sense. Same author, by the way, John, the apostle John. It says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. If you're wondering, where is God? Does God actually love us? I would say, yes. Uh, first of all, let's look at the manger because we didn't ask for a savior. We didn't even know we needed a savior. And, and yet he found it acceptable and holy and right and gracious and compassionate to give us one. And it was going to come at a great cost, uh, the, the cost of his one and only son. Additionally, some of us struggle to receive God's love either at salvation like you might be sitting here saying like, I'm surrounded by a bunch of people who believe this and I don't, but I'm asking questions or you don't care. I don't really know, but you're here. You're right, you're here. And 
uh, you need to receive God's love in, in his form of salvation. Uh, others of us, you're a follower of Christ, you're born again, you need to receive God's love daily. In this daily uh, reception of God's uh, grace and his love that he wants to give you and you receive and enjoy. But we struggle to receive this because we tend to look at God's love with an earthly lens. We treat God's love the way we, we love one another in our weakness. But God doesn't struggle to love us. As I was kind of alluding to a moment ago. But God, he is not limited by physical fatigue or emotional draining. His love is endless and it is present and it is robust. And so let me just help you to kind of see how we can, um, if we're not careful, we will, we will view and treat God's love the way we see earthly love or that we are prone to in our uh, moments of either weakness or just on a regular pattern of how you love people if you're, if you're manipulative and stuff. So listen to this. So earthly love is fueled by emotions and serendipitous coincidences. But biblical love is fueled by truth. It's truth along with God-given emotions, right? He's, he's literally created us with emotions, but it is, it is uh, deeply anchored in truth, and it's also acknowledging God's sovereign timing in matters. So again, not just, hey, this is great coincidence, or this is luck, but no, no, God's plan here when it comes to love. Earthly love is conditional, it tends to have strings attached. We love as long as it's good for us. But biblical love is unconditional. God's consistent pattern is loving, even though people endlessly run from him. I was just going through the Bible story with my kids the other day on Adam and Eve, and because uh, it's the beginning, kind of the beginning of most Christmas devotionals with a family, as it should be. Literally, Genesis is the beginning of the Christmas story. And so talking through Adam and Eve, and they're saying, here they are in this perfect garden. Everything is wonderful. Like I was telling my kids the other day, they were told they could eat anything. They could enjoy everything. But that one tree over there. And what do they do? They go to that tree over there. And, uh, and even in the midst of the of their disobedience and the, the holy consequences that they received, God was still present and his love was still consistent. And he said, one day I'm gonna change this. They might've thought it was gonna be with one of their own kids. What we learn in history came thousands of years later. But God's love was unconditional. Also, earthly love, it is bound by contract. Right? If you meet the terms of this contract, I love you. Well, biblical love is bound by covenant. Even when, I, even when you don't meet the terms of this contract, I love you. Earthly love may appear genuine, but it can actually be manipulative or passive aggressive in order to evoke a response from someone else. Yet biblical love, in contrast, it is genuine with no ulterior motives. Love, no strings attached. So God loves us, and foremost, this is displayed in the birth of Jesus Christ. Not the birth of some random baby, but God's son sent on a mission to save mankind by giving his life as a ransom for many. So have you received God's love? You are not here in this room by coincidence or watching online now or someday in the future. You know, This is a moment for us to all reflect. Have we, have you received God's love? I've been asking this question of myself. So in my case, yes, I have received it in regards to salvation. I'm born again, I believe in Jesus Christ. 
But am I, am I actively receiving that love daily in a way that is uh, cultivating genuine, strong, vibrant affections for my Savior? If you're not born again, the first step in receiving God's love is an act of belief. Listen to Romans 10.9, a wonderful verse that describes this transaction and, um, and uh, transformation. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, I'll just pause here. We read this with an American lens, which is like very half-hearted. Uh, we're, you know, we're really good at very uh, uh, lame commitments. When we read this, we have to remember this is saying when you confess with your heart or with your mouth and you believe in your heart, that this is, a, this is an all-in kind of thing. This is not just lip service. This isn't just, yeah, I'm gonna do it because there's like peer pressure. This isn't, I'm gonna do this because it looks good or it's gonna get me something that like other people want me to do or uh, I'm just gonna do this like for, for the moment, but then I'm gonna go live however I want. When we read this, we gotta step into like, what was Paul saying when he's saying this? He's saying, when you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the, from the dead. Like when, you, when you're all in, saying yes, I mean, I will, I will believe and I will trust that and I will abandon the pursuit of the belief systems of any other re religious group out there. I will not trust myself for salvation, um, my self-achievement or self-worth uh, uh, or self, uh, I don't know, um, ability, whatever it might be. I'm gonna trust God for this, earning, like not earning it, but God's grace, well, then you will be saved, right? There's a lot there that's, that's unpacked, but we tend to not read it because we're just like, sure, I can, I can say something and, and get in the club and then move on, but that's not like real life change, heart change. So for some of us, that is where we're at. And, and your challenge this morning, like the, the challenge I present to you is, will you receive God's love for you today? You, today can be a day of salvation for you. For others of us, the challenge is receiving God's love in a way that is really transforming, stirring our affections for Christ. Have you received this in, in a way that would be every day or every moment of every day? Sadly, there are a lot of blockades that we allow to be in our lives that, that prevent us from receiving his love. I wanna walk through some of these because I find them to be most of the conversation I have with you all throughout the week or year after year. Uh, all the other stuff we talked through is, is the foundation, it is core. You can't, you can't talk about this next part without getting that, through that first stuff. And some of us need to sit in that first stuff and just like work in that. But for the rest of us, this next, short, this next section, it is short, but it is like exactly where you're at. So I'm just gonna work through it and we're gonna prayerfully as a community work through this and then we're gonna respond by saying, I, I'm, by, by having a time of confession for these matters and also receiving what God has for us. So here's a whole list of blockades in our heart that prevent us from experiencing God's never-ending love. The first is the blockade of shame we will feel unworthy or undeserving to receive God's love. This can come from shame that you feel from uh, regrets or mistakes. It could be something that from your past that occurred decades ago 
and yet you'd say, I just, I just can't really experience, I, I just can't accept God's love because of what I did. And that's putting your sin between you and God, and God has taken it at the cross. That's why Jesus died. So one is shame. Another blockade is pride. We tell ourselves, I don't need this love. I can go without it. Uh, we will say, I'm strong, or receiving Christ's love in this particular way, or for this reason, or, or maybe in the grand scale, but receiving it would be weak, or it would make me weak. Another blockade is general insecurity. Feeling like we are not good enough. Just not good enough to get it. I just know. That's very common. Another is anger. You allow anger to get in the way. You will, you will tell yourself, you know, God, you, you didn't stop um, me from, uh, you, you, you didn't stop that person uh, from abusing me when I was 10. Or you, you didn't stop my spouse from, from running out on me and leaving me out to dry. And so, no, I'm not gonna receive your love. Another, another blockade is, is misunderstanding God's love. This would be an untruthful view of what love is and its application in our life. And so you would, you would view it through like the earthly lens as if God's love is conditional or contractual as opposed to covenant-based. And I guess Christians, we, we, are in, we are recipients of God's love because of Christ's, uh, what's called the new covenant in the Bible. And this covenant that Christ has uh, allowed us to enter in. But even if you're not a Christian, you, you still are made in God's image. And so there, you, you have the, you, so God desperately loves you, right? Like now, now our plea for you is to believe and to enter into the, that covenant that he has for you. But both are true. So anyway, regarding this idea, you, you might have a misunderstanding of what love is. Another, another blockade is entitlement. You come to God with a chip on your shoulder. You know, say like, you know, because God, because you, you, uh, you didn't show love to me in the way that I wanted to receive it. I, I wanted to get this job, but you didn't let me. Uh, I wanted to get this spouse, but you didn't let me. I wanted to have this life circumstance or outcome, but you didn't let me. And so you feel that God may... Uh, may have uh, wronged you in that way and you deserve something better. Another block A would be lies about his love or about him as a whole. For instance, this, this lie that you need to earn his love. You know, there's nothing you can do to earn God's love. I mean, you could, you could scale the highest mountain and you're not gonna earn it. You could save, the, you could save a billion people. We got eight billion, right? Save one eighth of them, like you know, not you personally, but you lead them uh, to the to the knowledge of, of salvation. 
you'd be the greatest evangelist in history. And you still wouldn't earn God's love by doing what a, that fantastic act. Nothing you can do can earn God's love. He loves you because you are his. Another, another blockade would be fear. You know, maybe in your past you have experienced manipulated love or you have experienced, uh, particularly from a parent, um, the facade of love. And so you're wondering, like, you know, is God acting that way towards me? Like, is he, is he loving me because he just wants to get this thing out of me? Uh, and not in the holy way, but is he, you know, what's, what's going on here? And then lastly would be this blockade of numbing. And, and I describe it this way. It's when you feel bad or unworthy or you feel anger or insecurity, right? Like you're, you're feeling these kind of, like all the other blockades are one time, right? Like at, at some point you're just like feeling that. And rather in that moment, saying, God, I'm gonna just press in and let you love me. Instead, it's like, you know, I just really don't like feeling that negative thing. So I'm gonna, rather than pressing in to God's love in that moment, I'm gonna just like like, numb that negative feeling and I'm gonna medicate it with alcohol or drugs or porn or food or really any other substance. And just like, just medicate it and not go there. And you numb yourself. You try to get this dopamine hit rather than God's love in that moment. So that's the list. I'm gonna reread it just to help you think through here, but there could be shame or pride or insecurity or anger or misunderstanding or entitlement or lies or fear or numbing. These blockades, they prevent us from experiencing God's love on a daily basis. They prevent us from being able to love one another well because we're kind of having like a, we're having a, an issue between, you know, vertically between us and God. So it, it, it hinders or it, it, it kind of messes with our ability to love others well because we're not receiving it in a pure and full way. And all these blockades, I have worked through all of them at some point in my life. And each time, that I allowed one of these blockades to really take hold. My faith went from being vibrant uh, to then being like sickly, like as if I took a poison and just allowed it to work its way in my system. And so this morning, I wanna challenge us as a church family to take, I wanna challenge us to receive God's love. And, and, and you, you can do that by just like sitting there and thinking through it. But I, I think that a healthy exercise is to do what I wanna walk us through. And that is to take these cards that are on, the, on our chairs and, and pens. We didn't have very many pens, so hopefully you can get one if you need one. I don't know, just look for one. And, and to write down if there's one of those blockades, and there actually might be others that are coming to your mind. I mean, I'm only working off of like, you know, some like thoughts on this. Some of you are far more introspective than I am, and so you're able to like really work out. Well, if there's a blockage, you say, you know, this is the this is a thing that's preventing me from experiencing God's love as He intends, as He desires. I want you to write it down, and I want you to take it. And then, while we're singing some of these songs in response, we have a basket over here um, on the floor. And um, I, like at the cross, and I want you just to like take it to the cross and say like, I'm, in a symbolic way saying like, I'm tired of allowing this 
to hinder my walk with the Lord and my and receiving God's love in a way that he would want for me. And then I want you to take um, an ornament. We have little red ornaments in the manger. And if you would take one out, um, just, just symbolically like represent receiving or taking God's love, right? It's not, it doesn't, uh, it's, it's, it's not something that you earn or anything like that. You just, it's, it's a gift for you to take that. And in fact, because it's an ornament, you can set it on a tree at home or place it on the tree and then you can see it every day and remind yourself of God's love. But I want us to, to walk through this exercise of just going um, and like laying down at the foot of the cross whatever blockade is there that's, that's inhibiting genuine, full experience with God's love and then to, 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 take, to take this ornament as an, as an example of receiving God's love. And for some of you, as we're walking through this, you're saying, I mean, like, the, for some of us, this is so uh, deep in the layers of our heart that it's, it's, it's more complex than, a, than a, a 10 minute talk, like portion of this, and then just, hey, let's just write a thing down and then everything's different. Like there's gonna be, there's more there. Well, part of that process of just more with like healing and restoration and stuff is prayer. And so I'm gonna invite you also to receive prayer. If you'd like to do that, we would love to pray with you and ask that the Lord would break these chains that are um, inhibiting your understanding and your experience with God's love. And, and there might be other steps there with that, but one of those steps definitely is taking this to the Lord and praying with you with that. So Maddie, you and the team, how about you guys lead us? Uh, with um, oh, we've got we've got two songs here, and we can we can sing as long as we need to uh, to work through this exercise. Uh, but I want to challenge us to to do this and allow it to be a tangible expression of what the Lord's doing in our heart. Uh, so let me let me pray for us here, and then we will we'll, we'll do this.